RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. To get a 40% discount across their entire batch-tested range, use the code RENEGADE40 at www.onacademy.co.uk forward slash elite portal. And of course, members of the Rugby Renegade online subscription program get an exclusive 50% discount plus free access to the Optimum Nutrition online nutrition course. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview TJ Jankowski from Rugby Muscle. Um, it's kind of a double header this podcast as um, TJ is going to use it on his own podcast as well. So we have a really good discussion um, and we kick it off. It's kind of our unofficial uh, big mistakes podcast because uh, we start with the question we ask in all the, all the podcasts. What's the biggest mistake rugby players make? And we kind of go off and we kind of use it a bit... Uh, bit to vent each of us sort of go through some of what what we see and and try and give you some advice on how to remedy those things so definitely worth a listen um and let us know what you think um Uh, hey tj welcome to rugby renegade podcast great to have you on uh we normally start um by sort of getting your background but just to kind of preface this this podcast we're going to use it on both of our on our podcast so there'll be a bit of back and forth but let's start with you uh telling us a bit about your background how you got into strength conditioning and working with rugby players yeah, so my story is almost like that one of like repeated failure and that sort of led me to the eventual path that I found myself on, which is, you know, I look back and you you sort of upset about all the failures, but really if I didn't have all of those, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm quite happy with that. So originally was a, a state school rugby player, um, managed to uh, captain my county team, uh, went to university in, in Bedfordshire, Actually, and uh, in my actually before I did that, I took one year off to sort of see if I could go pro or see if I could like push that sort of side of things and, and really take my rugby serious. Uh, and in pre-season, I uh, I tore my knee ligament, so started looking into the coaching side of things. Sort of also fell in love with the gym at the same time. Went to university, carried on loving the gym the whole time, um, and then from there, like as the rugby career wasn't working out as I'd hoped like I still was happy with where I played but it wasn't exactly what I'd hoped I I wanted to I figured out that actually what I'm going to do instead is sort of use it to travel so after university went from uh, Bedford to or from I was playing at Amto at the time I went from there to uh, Las Vegas of all places wow that's a that's a big yeah fresh out of university as well it was ridiculous uh went there played there um for i think it was five or so months realized that i don't want to come i'm not ready to go back to england so then ended up in the middle east playing rugby as well and i found myself with quite a bit of time where i was in between because when i went to the middle east i started personal training as well to go alongside it and i really found myself with like so much time to sort of de- develop something of an online presence and I I didn't want to follow the road of just doing what everyone else does with fat loss so actually that's a lie I did that's what originally I did you know I was, I was trying to I in person I was coaching mums I thought I could just open up some sort of membership site to have people follow me and then I realized like that's I'm not really speaking to anyone 
And the more I was like, just being myself, what I realized was, was I could really help rugby players because I had spent in this time from my year off when I busted my knee all the way through till uh, present moment, which is like 2012 or something, uh, or 2013, like just researching gym stuff. I was like, you know, on T Nation or listening to, uh, you know, Jay Ferrugia. Yep. Yeah, I came across his book like early doors and that sort of changed the game for me. And I really realized, I was like, oh my God, like this is like, all men's fitness stuff is just nonsense, but that's all people follow this because that's all we know. Yeah. Um, and so I figured that actually what's missing is some sort of bridge of the gap, right? Because you've got this level of real like high quality strength and conditioning that's meant for professionals. And then you've got that advice almost being repeated for um or regurgitated for amateur athletes that just don't have the time to do that or don't have the physical ability to do half those things or the need yeah and i thought well let's push rugby muscle and and really see what we can do here um and since then which that was that would have been 2015 ish that I, like we really first started going with that uh, I've been trickling along in the background because I've just because I've been working alongside a personal training business at the same time, and then a couple maybe three years ago now I I went full time with it and have uh, yeah kept pushing it kept pushing the podcast. Um, I've just been enjoying working with like not a great deal of clients but just enough that I can always um, give them as enough, enough quality advice and like have build personal relationships and help them progress. No, that sounds cool. Like, uh, glad you touched on that because that's kind of a, a mistake we we made um, initially starting out with Rugby Renegade. You know, we, we started because we wanted to deliver, you know, really good content and and we, we've kind of made mistakes as players ourselves. Um, so we wanted to kind of prevent that, you know, amateur players making those. <clears throat> and we we thought by doing, by delivering or explaining what we were doing with pro athletes, that would help them. But yeah, the, one of the first things we learned was, yeah, they don't have access to the facilities. They don't have the time, um, you know, resources and, and that type of thing. So we really had to kind of boil it down to what, what really works and what can actually be applied by them. So it's, it's cool that you, you sort of picked up on the same thing, I guess. Yeah. hundred percent. Like the most simple things, like most gyms don't have sleds or we're starting to get more and more blessed. Yeah. gyms that have like bumper plates but when i first started like we're not dealing with any of that stuff yeah definitely yeah and uh, like we we did a lot of stuff and it's still there's people out there interested in it and and i guess snc coaches um read it but like we do stuff about velocity based training and all that sort of stuff um and mm -hmm. gps data and things and yeah the amateur athlete doesn't have access to that and and maybe some aren't fussed but they want to know what will improve their performance so that's what we've kind of had to had to pivot and, and twist in, in that way yeah and we're, we're kind of on on the right line of the, of the question we we always ask all the guests on the podcast is is what do you think the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning do i have to pick one um, well, you, you, i think do top three <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i could do top top 20 uh the number one kind of is the root of everything is like going in without a plan. And I think you could say whether that's going into the gym on any given day or starting any given week, or even like in general, looking at what you actually want to achieve from the gym. Like, I think, I think we think, oh, I want to be a better rugby player. That's it. But there's so many different ways 
that you can accomplish being a better rugby player. You can get stronger, you can get more explosive, you can get fitter. You know, you can, like, some people can lose weight, including losing muscle, and that might actually make them a better player. But until you take the time to really think about what it means to you, you like, anything works and nothing works all at the same time. So none of the other mistakes, I guess, really matter unless you're figuring out what you want to achieve and then what your plan is to achieve it. Yeah, definitely. And that's, again, that's something we kind of tried to pivot to, to be able to help people figure that out for themselves. Um, and like mm-hmm. you, you mentioned men's fitness, you know, earlier, and, and a lot of times that's that's where people get information. And, and I've seen in the past, they'll show a rugby players program and you're like, there's no way, either there's no <laughs> way a rugby player is doing that program yeah. or it's just some, like something that isn't applicable to that or it's applicable to that rugby player for a certain reason because they've got a long training history. So your average athlete or average amateur rugby player wouldn't be able to follow that program and get the same results. So yeah, it's kind of yeah, what is idea for them. And, and like I said, the main thing is the reason they're doing it is to improve their rugby performance. And sometimes that gets lost and they follow, you know, whatever program they've seen on Instagram or whatever. So yeah, great point. Um, yeah. Did you have any more you wanted to bring up? I, know you- <laughs> I think no, just along those lines, it's, <clears throat> it's like, people don't know where to start because of, because of that lack of a goal almost like, you know, and so we all do it, right? Like, if we don't know what we're supposed, like, what we're trying to achieve, we just copy what everyone else is doing. Yeah. But there's so many different goals. Like you said, like when men's fitness share, like rugby player stuff, or or even like on the YouTube's with the um, when England posts the the gym sessions and stuff. Like that's just a tiny snippet. Like you have no idea of the context of of what they're trying to achieve by doing it. And it looks cool. And I, I did it. Like you know, back when I first started, I remember like, it's, it, you now look at it, the video now, and it's like the most pixelated video. And there's Byron Kelleher doing like a, he's got like 60 kilos or something. And he's doing pull-ups. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. I've got to do weighted pull-ups. And I'm like, why am I following this guy? It doesn't make any sense, but you have no, you have no, like you don't have really have anything else to go on. And it's what I found. I don't know if you experienced the same. It's very difficult to give because there's so many ways to, to, solve the problem of being a better rugby player and there's so many different like circumstances that people have with their lives it's really difficult to give black and white answers because like like i say anything can work or also nothing can work yeah. and um you know I, I, I do sometimes struggle and it feels like you, you know you're being a dick when they're like oh you know do i need to do front squats or back squats like i got this question like yesterday i'm like that that's not that's not a question really yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'd be interested. How 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 would you go about dealing with that? What would you, would you kind of say? This is the question you should be asking. Are you, Jamie, are you asking me if you should do front squats or back squats? No, no. I, I, <laughs> we all know it's front. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess how how you approach dealing with that because sometimes if you you know people like say people want that black and white answer. So how how do you kind of reframe it to kind of get the message across that they're they're sort of it changing? is it, it, like. Well, the, the, the answer to that question would be like both work, right? It depend, like, depends on the, the exact phase and what you want to achieve. Backs, you would give the examples, I guess, of what solutions, I guess, these movements are, right? Or these, what jobs these tools are good at. And then it's up to the person asking the question to figure out yeah. what, what the solution they need. So like, yeah, and every movement, every exercise and it gets even difficult with like when you're talking about exercises because a back squat for 20 reps can be very different to a like a one rep max back squat so you know and it gets and the more 
you do this and I'm sure you experience the same thing. The more skin in the game you get, you get like you also start everything. You end up being like completely abstract. And that just is difficult because that people listening to that, they don't want that. They want some sort of idea. So I would just say, okay, if you want, if you want to, you know, both can work. If you're looking for hypertrophy, both can work. Problems with front squats is you're going to run into is that your, your core is going to generally fatigue um, if you're going high reps and that ends up being a limiting factor. So, you know, do you want hyper, like, is your, is that the goal of your front squat? Probably not. So then we probably want to look at back squat, but then maybe even if you don't technically back squat, well, it might even not, neither could work. Maybe we're looking at a leg press or, or whatever, you know? And again, it's like, the guy just wants a simple answer. Tell me, is it front or back squats? <laughs> Sorry, dude. Like, yeah. it just doesn't. Like, you can't. And, and like, maybe, like, and I think this as well, and I'm sure you, you think this when you're doing, like, your, your social media stuff. Like, I could have 100,000 followers by now if I'd have put the, if my sole aim of my content was to look cool and yeah. do sort of, funky uh joel seaman-esque exercises or whatever that look different right but yeah. they ain't helping anyone and at the end of the day like i i want to look back on my business and the train i do and the relationships i build and, and like have that all be genuine you know yeah no definitely i think i think it's interesting that, that the example you brought up was the front squat back squat because that is a common one people um or players i guess get caught up on the, the minutiae of exercises when I, I guess what I'd say to them is well why, why do you want to know what what are you trying to get out of it because that mm-hmm. then dictates which one you use to a certain degree um I mean like Dan John always just say you know the answer to every S&C question is it depends isn't it like there's, there's mm-hmm. so many things going into it but yeah if you can relate it back to why you're doing it that helps you kind of formulate an answer or helps even helps them formulate an answer I guess um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so we talk about exercise selection. This is one of my my bugbears is, is kind of sports specific exercises and, and training like that. And most athletes we we work with, they're, they're I mean, there's, there's a debate of whether you use them with you know elite level players. But um, with our guys, it, it's sticking to those basics. Um, what's what's your opinion on that? And yeah, you see that as well. Yeah, definitely. Like again. We're, we're two guys that, that own businesses that are dealing with programming, no, gym programs for rugby players. Like if there were some people, if there were people that you would listen to to tell you about the importance of functional uh, rugby specific exercises that would boost your performance, like we would be telling you that's what to do, right? <laughs> but we're not, like it just, it, it isn't. It's a fallacy because you, you get your specific work of rugby when you're doing your rugby yeah like that doesn't like that's it that definitely does annoy me and what i found i don't know if you found this as well when when we had like the long breaks for covid like i had so many of my guys all of them actually to be honest come back like so much fitter because we got time to really develop their energy systems as opposed to constantly like when you're doing rugby and when you're doing even you know if it's a tuesday thursday night for for training for a team or any night or any training session like a lot of the times that that's almost like a test it's not a training session every training session is a test like you're auditioning to start on the weekend yeah and you go at full intensity and so you're, you're you're really pushing yourself you're not spending your time training you're not really developing your energy system you're just working as hard as you can yeah whereas that's not what that's not the stimulus you need to really develop a, a strong aerobic system which supports everything else um 
and obviously your a lactic uh atppc system as well like that doesn't you don't develop that you, you just do what you can do same same thing like you wouldn't just play games of rugby to develop your pass you would break down different passing drills yeah. so you you know you use your sport as a sport right. but then you take a step back and develop either the physical qualities or the skill qualities like separately yeah. It, yeah. but yeah so to answer your question like in the gym do gym stuff you know like and have that gym stuff prepare you better to play, be on the rugby field you, you, you don't want to do you don't want your gym to look like rugby yeah no definitely now you touched on, on two really nice things and it's probably going to be the call it the big mistakes podcast episode like special yeah you, you've touched on two that we see there and one was like you said about you know um rugby training actually it's, it kind of turns into a test and you know, maximal so we we tend to see boys just work too hard like and, and you mentioned atp pc system you need to be recovered for that and um we had a great uh, guest blog a while back from uh, ryan gibney where you're talking about how people go and do a speed session and rugby players uh, you know we see this a lot with them they'll turn it into a conditioning session because oh i can't be resting for mm -hmm. two minutes and it, it's just you know it's in, it turns into endurance do you, do you see that? Is that is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, speed. Like the amount of people that want to work on speed but don't actually want to work on speed. Like yeah. they say they want to work on speed, but they also want to be tired or they want to do it with like a really heavy sled or or whatever it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Speed is like it's it's really easy to train, but people people miss it so much because they 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 try and make themselves tired, and then it's you know anything less than like. They say 90%, but I'd go even higher, like 95%. Like, I want to be fresh when I'm doing my speed work. Because that's, again, you're trying to develop that quality. Did you, like, do you find it hard when you're in your professional environment to get the time to have guys that are fresh enough to do your speed work? Yeah, so, I mean, that that's what I'd say in the professional environment. It's, it is, the, the time is, the time constraint is the issue. I mean, there's still, there's still that, you know, the, um, the players would still struggle with having rest but we just don't have the time so it's those those little bits dripped in when we can get them um yeah kind of because you kind of have to i see it like a you have to be like a have like a rest sandwich before and after speed work right like there's no point blasting you, you can't do speed work if you're already going into it tired yeah and then you want to give yourself a little bit of time so that you don't end up pulling a hammy or doing something afterwards as well yeah, so I, like the way I do it is I try and get it into into warm ups, some sort of reactive agility um, and some acceleration work usually, and then it's with you know players who, who don't make the twenty three for match day, then we'll get top ups you know around that. But yeah, that that's one of the challenges. Um, but that that's helped me then work with amateur athletes to realise as well that we can fit in those little bits and just kind of educating them when they can do it as well. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I guess, like amateur athletes are usually like if they're if you're dealing with pros, like, you name a pro rugby player probably because they've already got some level of speed to them. Like they probably some have a decent level of natural ability. Yeah. Whereas like you get some people on the amateur that are just slow as shit because they've never and they've never learned how to run or sprint. Yeah. And so just doing that for a couple of months, all of a sudden, like I've had a few guys that have been flankers or been a scrum half, and then they've moved out to the wing. Right. just because they've got speed like into their 30s as well they've got th faster in their 30s it's like yeah. well yeah because you haven't ever trained it so you're brand new at this yeah oh that's cool but i think yeah speed speed is man yeah i like the the non-23 as well doing it or, or uh, on the game day um 
I think that's something I like to use is if, if I do have to work it or if I have to, I, I think the day before um, is also quite a nice little opportunity window yeah. for a lot of guys. Because again, you're trying to leave yourself being fresh or to be fresh for a game. Yeah. And so if you're doing that, like that, that day before is a nice little window where you're already pretty fresh. And if you're doing a speed session, it's you're not going to cause enough fatigue for it to really affect you the next day, right? Yeah, that's a really good idea. I haven't thought of that because I guess mentally as well, it's easier for them to to go along with the, I'll have rest so I'm fresh because they're thinking about the game as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, um, and, and then the other thing you touched on earlier was is kind of just doing doing too much essentially trying to trying to train every physical quality because that's one of the challenges of being SNC and rugby is. You've got to have good levels of all and more. You've got to train to a certain extent. So, how do you how do you get around um, whether it's kind of covering everything off or focusing on on you know that one individual quality that will get the get them the best results? It's it's a bit of both. So it's it's like I think to so to maintain any physical quality. It's like what twenty? You you need like twenty percent, if that, of the volume that it is to develop it. So, what most people do is because they're trying to do everything. Everything's about that. Say we've got that twenty percent is to maintain. They'll push that to about sixty. So it's not enough to actually get any development in, in all these different areas. But it's a lot more than they need to maintain. So we we pull back on everything that you know. Again, this comes back to having a plan and having some goals. So we get back to okay, what it what yeah, you know, what are we looking to develop? Um, which we can we can even touch on how to figure that out. Um, but everything that when you know we and we pick two or three things um, at most. So whether that's speed, whether that's uh, strength, power, uh, aerobic work, whatever it is, right? and, and we we dial those things up to one hundred percent, and then everything else gets left back on twenty. If we don't have the time to develop three different things, we pull back. On to all of a sudden you've opened up so much time to so much time to actually really develop those one or two qualities you'll be uh, really surprised at how easy that is once you've dialed that back and once you realize that you're not going to lose out on those areas that you're only maintaining at a 20 percent rate like just makes so much it, it, it like it frees up so much time and also like mental there's like a level of anxiety that i mean i used to get it i'm sure you, you you do the same thing as a coach and as a player like crap i'm not doing enough i need to do more like like you, like the worst feeling in the world for a rugby player is to lose a game and then go oh crap that's because we didn't try hard enough this week in training or we didn't push ourselves or whatever like everyone's afraid of that feeling yeah so they default to doing way too much so you know, this could just be an hour long uh, sort of plug for, you know, the importance of a coach or some sort of level of accountability. But once you've got someone in your corner that knows what they're doing and understands the process, you're allowed, you, you know, you're given that permission to pull back on everything because you've got that those one or two areas that you really are focusing and you will see that develop. Like you will, like there's no way you won't. And if you don't, then all right, sack that, sack that coach or, or change, change your approach. So, I mean, it's still, even if you don't make loads of progress, you're still not getting any worse. 
Yeah, and I think I think you're right about saying it's like a bit of a plug for a coach. But that's a, a lot of what we've ended up doing with our amateur athletes is is kind of guidance about about kind of like even when you know when there's injuries or when there's um, you know that like the the match day changes to Friday and how to tweak their training week. It's it's just having someone that point of contact to then you know like answer those questions that they have, um, and and that that's a massive thing. If you haven't got anyone, then a lot of times you see people just go and do nothing or the worst thing. Worst. Um, but, um, and the other thing, like in answering that question, you, you started with saying it's a bit of both. And that's kind of what, what I've done over the years. I, I, um, I learned under, interned under someone who did a lot of block periodization and saw really good results with that. And then uh, later down, I, I worked with someone who trained everything concurrently and had good results with that. And now it's kind of a hybrid of that. And I guess it's what you say is every, everything is present but one or two things um, are really emphasized and that's what you're trying to get your adaptations to. Um, and and even, you know, those things, everything is covered. Some of that will be in the rugby training. So, you, you know, if you know you get some sort of endurance element out of that if you're running around for two, three hours a week. Um, so, so that's my kind of um, philosophy on that. Um, Definitely. Like a lot of it's covered in the, in the game as well, right? Like there is no, there's no better training. It's not perfect. That's a hell of a lot of the stimulus you'll get in one yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it's the most specific one, isn't it? You know, that's <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And and that's the one thing I think amateur athletes don't take into account that, that you know that counts as a training session essentially. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember when I was playing once, like I was seventeen, and, and I was playing like some like, low-level tool. Game. I remember one guy uh, went to the gym after a game. He was a hooker. I remember it just blew my mind at the time. Obviously, because I was already like in that performance mindset, and, like, the game was that sort of opened me up. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I've known similar players. They they punish themselves for bad game. You go, oh, I didn't play well. I went in the gym and just thrashed myself. Just, like, just digging into your recovery reserve. Yeah, because that's some, that's the way I try and explain it to my um, athletes. Is you've only got so much amount of energy to, to recover and adapt. So if you're trying to do, you know, like I said, the 60% of everything, you're just going to e either overtrain or just not be able to recover and adapt. So you're not actually getting better. Whereas if you've got that 20%, you know, keep everything ticking over and then 100% in those two or three things, that's, that's how you've got the energy to adapt to those. Yeah. And I think that's where setting a goal goes, comes like, also was being like so important because you, you also like if you, you know, setting your goals is, is one thing but setting your goals for like a year from now like you, know, you want to improve at eight different areas well if you give yourself two years to do that then you don't have to worry about doing everything in four weeks like because that's just not going to happen as well like and if it like say if it was right say if you've got if you spent four weeks and all of a sudden you, you gained three pounds of muscle you got fitter you got stronger uh, well, so you've got more explosive, you, you, your agility came along, like you improved in all these areas. Like, do you think that's just going to keep happening? Because if it did, then you'd, just, you'd be the world's best player in a year. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. It ha you have to take the time. And people, people understand that, and they really know that like, consciously, if they take the time to, to take a step back and, and think about where they want to be. But most people don't. Like, they just want to get everything in four weeks and then just... I don't know, like do nothing because they've already reached the end. I, I can't, like I can't, it's, I'm so far um, 
within this, like you have to think long term. I, I can't really relate to why people do that, like why they panic and sh set these short term goals. And then, because in inevitably, like it comes down to consistency as well. Yeah. So they, they, they put an unrealistic uh, workload on themselves. And then, like, inevitably they fail. And for professionals, it might be because they hurt themselves or they get, you know, or they get burnt out. For amateurs, it's probably just going to be like, like just ask way too much. Um, either way, you then waste time either injured or burnt out or whatever, or feeling guilty for 50 suck it up and stick with the program. And then, Sorry, TJ, Mike's, Mike's just uh, dipped out there a bit. Yeah, that's like a bit better. Are we, are we back in? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, sweet. Where were we? Yeah, so you're, so what happens is that, you know, they, they, they set themselves because they because they they're setting themselves on such a short term mindset, they try and do everything, and because they inevitably fail, that then just exacerbates that short term mindset because they're trying to make up for lost time. And you're never gonna you're never gonna make it up. Like you've just got to accept that, like you say, you've only got a certain amount of recovery in you. So take what you can and be okay with you know, improving the other stuff. Maybe next month or the month after that, or whatever. Or maybe you don't even need to improve your fitness because. Yeah. Or maybe you don't need to get stronger. Like maybe like this is a this is a concept that is foreign to a lot of people, particularly those that are looking at uh, how to get, be a better rugby player in the gym. Like you must have tend to get it. You'll get people that are already, you know, squatting two hundred and twenty kilos, and they're like, okay, how, like how can I improve my squat? And you're like, why do you need to improve your squat? You're already really strong. Do you do you get that a lot? Yeah, definitely. Um, and and that's one of the first things. Like we try and say where they are on on the sort of continuum in terms of what they need to work on, um, mm -hmm. like uh, the what, way I was kind of explain it. Go well if if getting stronger would make you a better rugby player, then all the best rugby players would be powerlifters, mm -hmm. and and that's that's not the case. Um, power like what differentiates the, the top players is that explosive power and speed. Obviously, that strength is part of it, but once you got up to a certain level, and I'm sure you, this is what what you communicate with your athletes as well. Once you get a certain level, yeah, happy for it to increase, but we're not going to spend training sort of energy to to improve it. If it improves via doing our, you know, yeah, explosive sort of neural stuff, then then great. But um, and certainly maintain it. But getting more explosive and, and faster is what's going to really differentiate you from the opposition. Yeah, people don't want to hear that because they built up that strength over a long period of time, or or whatever it is, maybe they're just talented, but what, like people, you know, that they're, they're, they like to train what they're already good at and they don't like to train what they're not good at, which then like, again, makes that problem even bigger because then it's like, okay, what do I want to do? All right, I'm going to do squats because I don't really want to be here anyway. We're already really good at squats, yeah, you know, or, or you, have, you have your runners as well that, okay, I'll just go out and do, uh, or maybe it's like a, a real fit person that wants to just do circuit training or whatever it is. Like yeah. we'll all, they don't want to sit, stand around and yeah. rest for three minutes in between sets of heavy work. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like rugby, what makes rugby like a really cool sport is that 
you you have to be a little bit of everything you can't just be really strong you have to be fit like yeah. you, or you can't just be really fit you have to like it's a physical game you have to be ready for contact so i think that's what makes it a cool problem and that's what attracts people especially uh like people that enjoy the gym to rugby is that challenge yeah. but then you have to come at it from the complete opposite side as to as to how you approach the sport in the first place yeah. and i mean rugby's always been good it's had that kind of gym culture which is mm -hmm. good to a certain extent but it can obviously go too far the other way and and even in like at the pro level in terms of the way snc coaches have, have sort of or the industry has developed rugby's always kind of taken it on board quite quickly it's the kind of early adopter and which mm -hmm. in an industry that's still very you know extremely young um, and you kind of saw these phases of, you know, like powerlifting coaches would come in and there'd, there'd be that sort of emphasis in the training. Then it'd be weightlifters and and even kind of CrossFit. You know, there's been that sort of period. And what, what you've seen now more and more is getting better and better is that it's more whatever works to improve the rugby performance, not not like, oh, I used to be a powerlifting coach. I'll, I'll use these exercises. There's kind of elements of them all, but it's yeah. just again, going back to what you said at the start is it's with the goal in mind of improving rugby performance. Mm -hmm. that's it because it, it, it's a tough one like we said said like rugby players want to work hard but it's just harnessing that and using it and make sure they're actually getting out what they want from it the speed training being the classic example yeah uh, definitely what, like sorry Karen I, I just think it's it's also like it gets hard it gets really hard because it's also really abstract as far as like I don't know we might be talking a little bit too abstract but like in terms of becoming a better rugby player because you've got so much options yeah like it's it gets it, it becomes so hard to answer that question of like what what exactly do you need to do but and then it also becomes like if you if you have a good experience with a crossfit crossfit coach or if you have a good experience with someone from another sport that that could be that uh, power lifters influence but it also could just be that you're just dealing with someone really talented yeah. because and also it could just be that you had a really lucky game like it's really hard to predict actually like what um what constitutes be like what what success is particularly it must be even harder when you're working with a team because like you've also got what 20 other different coaches or whatever that have got their influence on the game yeah. and they want to you know and everyone's sort of vying for Okay, well, this yeah, you know, vying for their own time and prioritization of to, to where the players are spending their time, like ha deciding what what caused a win and what caused or what caused a loss is like, oh. yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been there when you know the breakfast before a game was the reason we lost, and you mm -hmm. know, that's it, it. It's so difficult in in terms of like the the physical approach or or the way you know um, programming from it the, the way we try and do it is we look at so a, a basic performance profile of an athlete and and there's kind of um kind of got a pyramid version of it where at the bottom is body composition then we've got max strength then we've got power then we've got repeatability and then at the top speed and ba basically where we say if if you're if you're not ticking the box for body composition right at the bottom if you focus on improving your body composition all the other ones will improve as well because yeah if you increase your muscle mass, you're going to get stronger. And, and let's be honest, you're going to use strength training to do that. So you're going to get stronger. If you get leaner, you're going to be lighter. So you're going to be able to jump higher. You're going to be able to run faster. Um, and you'll be fitter because you, you know, you're not carrying that 
you know, however many kgs excess and then once you've got that ticked off then you can focus on your max strength and get that to the standard where we think you can work on power and, and that's the way we kind of do it because that hopefully that sells to the, the athlete that is specific to them and it's still even if it's you know more general training like for, if they're at the body comp phase um it's still going to improve their performance and, it, and it's kind of designed to do that does that make sense yeah yeah, 100%. I have a pyramid as well. Fitness professionals love pyramids, man. Like they, <laughs> they, they, that is the... It's, <laughs> there's so many... I, I mean, I, I think I stole the concept, but I mean, because it's such a good concept because it does work. Yeah. I, I have uh, aerobic base uh, and then, yeah, body composition and movement quality at the bottom. Because so I think all of those three things, yeah, like you say, if you improve that stuff at the base it's probably going to trickle up, but stuff at the top of the, of the pyramid, like whether that's, you know, your speed work or your out and out strength work or whatever, that doesn't necessarily trickle down. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, yeah, that's the only difference is there is I'd, I'd say is I have the, um, the movement quite, I think, I, but then again, it's, it becomes really hard to, to quantify like what moving better is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in, but I think but, yeah, it, it, most people will know what it is when they see it, right? If, you, if you're working on agility, but you're, you know, you're you're planting your foot really heavily, and you're, you're or you're you're trying to drive off the inside foot, or your your foot's not making poor contact with the ground, like instantly you kind of know that should look, that doesn't it doesn't look right. Um, or if you're squatting, and, you know, your heels are coming up, or whatever it is, and your knees are caving in, like that's just like there's no point working on strength if you can't move properly right so um but then at the same time you by by fixing that stuff and whatever it is at the base of your pyramid it's the same same theory it does help everything else but it also but it takes a, a bit of time to adjust to which i think sometimes people don't like yeah um like particularly i i'm quite a fan of doing zone two work if people have the time to do it because it doesn't eat into fatigue and whatever, but it sucks because you, people want to like a lot of, especially rugby players, right? they uh -huh. want, as you said, they want to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, like, like I do it. And you know, you're having to walk up hills and it's like, yeah, but you're developing the qualities that you want. It's the same thing. Like you don't just do a one rep max set repeatedly, or even just you know, a couple of times to develop, uh, hypertrophy like you've got to give yourself that volume yeah and it's hard and it was it, it was a lot harder for me to convince people years ago but now i'm so like convinced that it works like and i've got like at this point you know hundreds of people that have done it that have been through that like i'm not sure if this is actually gonna make me play better i'm not working hard enough mm -hmm. that then played and gone holy shit like I feel so much more comfortable when I'm playing like this. Is, can I swear? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Uh, okay, sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, and to be fair, that wasn't me swearing. That was someone reporting back to me, but they, you know, you get so much, they just, you, 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 and it's, you know, it when you feel it. And that's, I think that's what I enjoy about working with like, uh, and I've, I've, I've worked with a number of professionals as well, but like, that's what I get with working with people one-on-one. So I don't, like they they can just trust me and it's yeah and it's a lot easier than having to get a buy-in from a whole team um to follow through and they can also then report back okay i felt better when i played that game whereas you could have 15 players that all feel really good 
feel like they're playing their best, but still lose and yeah. still or still get thumped, you know? And you, you just wouldn't know. Whereas if you're if you're comparing your own performance, you, you should be able to know. Yeah. Yeah. So Even it, if you're it is, it is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, great. And but also a lot of what we've talked about is kind of the psychology of it, isn't it? Like we we talk about um you know, all the, the different training techniques and how we program and profile and things like that. But it, it all rings back to, you know, their, their psychology. It sounds like you've got a good, good handle on that and you build a good rapport with your, with your athletes. That's really cool. Any, any other big mistakes that you, that you want to want to vent about? Um, I think, hmm, I think, well, we've, we've said training too hard because I, that's, that used to be my number one. It probably still is. It's like, training the aerobic system like people don't understand that like because they they want to work really hard yeah and maybe even they don't have the time so you know they'll, they'll do to batters or whatever it is like real intense but real short and then they don't understand that why 30 minutes into a game they're feeling really tired but then you say well what conditioning sessions have you done that have prepared you to go for more than 30 minutes and they haven't yeah. um that's one but for me if, if we're if we're talking about the psychology i think this would be a nice one is like being okay with like non-perfect weeks like i think everyone is and i don't know what it actually i don't i haven't got a clue what this is like at the professional level but with everyone that i've worked with like they've come from a previous experience of kind of like that that trying too much falling short feeling guilty etc and they're so used to failing that they're so quick to sort of almost try and give up on themselves. And I don't know if that is actually even more of a weakness, like giving themselves that easy out to say, ah, oh, like you say, oh, my game's moved to Friday. I guess I can't do anything this week. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But people do that. Or they say, you know, or they, you know, ah, oh, I can't go to the gym this week. I hurt my wrist. What? So you, you can't do anything? Nah, no, I'm injured. Or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, they, the gym's really busy or they have a really busy day at work on the Monday. So they've missed the gym and all of a sudden that week's been a failure. And again, yeah, why do, oh, Domino's is still two for Tuesdays. I'm, I'm going to do that. And then all that does is make the, every subsequent week that much harder. Yeah. Whereas if you just be okay with minimal progress, but still progress again, it's so much easier than trying to make everything perfect and never and like never giving yourself any wiggle room to stick with a plan and succeed whilst things aren't perfect. Yeah. No, it's, I, I like the idea of like, uh, like, uh, like punch clock workouts that, you know, you, it's not necessarily going to, you know, create a massive stimulus, but it's just getting the work in. And that, that's why, like you know, you say about oh, I can't fit sessioning because I'm playing on Fridays. Like there, there is a way to train and to fit something. It's always better to do something than nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you're not not every session you're expecting to get a PB. Like that's like you said, if if we got PBs every session, we'd all be you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's knowing that it's it's that cumulative thing over the over the weeks, months, and years that builds up to those 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 adaptations. Um, and and we don't have to get a PB. We don't have to, you know, completely like going back to the tr training too hard thing. We don't have to smash ourselves every workout. Um, it's it's a bit of a kind of Instagram meme. It's like you know, out hundred sessions, like 
50 will be average, 25 will be terrible, and maybe 10 will be like awesome. But mm -hmm. that's what it is essentially. You know, there's only a percentage of them where we're going to feel real good and get, especially playing rugby, because, you know, different different teams, different opposition, different styles of game, different weather conditions. Like you'll come in on a Monday and, you, you know, you're not going to feel as good as, you know, the week before when you, you know, it was, it was dry weather, it was an easy team, you're just running tries into fun. Um, and, and, and and even the psychological side of it, that's got to be taken. Into, like that's one thing you see in, in the pro environment is you have a big win and everyone's, you know, cock hoop feeling, feeling amazing and, and can lift really well. And then, you know, other weeks when, when you've had a few back-to-back -back losses, it's, it's, you know, really hard to, to get that kind of, you know, just that mental arousal to, to train. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I remember speaking to to Kier, and he said the same. He said he was uh, when he the the best score he'd ever seen on their you know their pre training questionnaires was the day after their they beat I can't remember who they beat but they they beat someone to get to the Rugby World Cup quarter final and Maradona was in there partying with them so they'd obviously you know they they'd have been out drinking they had a real tough physical game but the next day they felt physically the best they felt like ever, according to, you know, according to the questionnaire. And that's simply, again, like you say, buzzing off that big win. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and that also shows that you can't, you can't always take how you've, and one kind of a mistake we see sometimes is, is like players just going, how I feel will dictate what I do. And it's not, mm -hmm. not always true. Cause sometimes you feel like it's kind of classic. I'm mostly, oh, I'm not sore. I can train fine, but has your nervous system recovered? You know, from mm -hmm. You know that yeah. a bit long. Um, is that something you see? Um, I, I don't know. It's not, not too common because I think we don't have the high of. I don't I haven't dealt with any players that have had the high of partying with Maradona. <laughs> but, but also, just in general, I think I I I, I do, but I I I never really turn the dial up to to ten with the vast majority of the training that we're doing unless we're really preparing for it um just because i want to get i i want to always leave room until we absolutely know for certain i always want to leave room to keep improving next week um and that might hold me back in you know weeks one two three four you know however long we, we we're running this program for but i do think long term it just makes sense because yeah yeah maybe i'm not maybe i could have improved on week two or week three by extra five two point five percent five percent but the risk of that actually completely derailing everything is too is bigger than that 2.5 percent and we're going to get to that improvement within the weeks to come anyway if we stay consistent um the only time you would take that is if you were on an absolute massive time crunch and like then you had to do it otherwise uh, more more often than not, it's it's the opposite. What I found is, like it like work stress really does make me want to pull back. Yeah. Um, no matter what, even if they say they're feeling good, if they're having like intensive weeks of work, and more often than not, actually, like if I know there's someone's got a heavy workload or um, something going on with their family or whatever, like there's a good chance we'll just deload, and I'm happy to deload for even a couple of weeks. Because running, because the damage of running into the ground and the the, the cycle that will set someone on to, just it's not worth it. And if you're even if you're deloading, like we know how, like if we're doing it for the mental benefits, like we can do enough so that you feel good. 
Um, if we're doing, and again, we can deload and do zone two work so we can still really develop the aerobic system and we can still get better, Yeah. but we're just taken away from all of that volume because I think, and this is probably, I was going to ask you what you found the biggest difference is between working with athletes and uh, amateurs. And obviously the biggest one for me or for what the general people would imagine is, is that it's not just time, it's like the stress you know you don't just have that you, you could even like even if you could work around the amount or you could figure out a way to train the same as a uh, the exact same in fact i did a video on this there was a, there's a there's a really popular video on youtube i think it's uh some guy for for a, a welsh newspaper ate and trained like a rugby player and he was going to do it for six weeks right but he quit after three because he he uh, he got a he got a hernia. <laughs> it's the honestly, it's the most ridiculous video because he yeah he all he did like and actually it was a it was a, all it was was like a supplement ad because it was you know uh -huh. some supplement company funded this guy to do this, but he was training so much and he was he was just burning himself into the ground and where professional rugby players go off and for the most part play video games or just relax you know and then. As they get older, maybe they start to do family life and develop business. But all of that is kind of a lot lower stress yeah. than the work in a full-time job. Like this guy was still working his full-time job as a, um, as a writer, I'm assuming. Yeah. And yeah, he got a hernia because he just had an like, absolute massive increase in his stress. I was like, no, like yeah. you couldn't have written a better video. It's hilarious. But yeah. you, you're right. Point, the, right. With pro athletes, the, the times you see when that type of thing really takes effect is, is with younger, like so academy uh, players, is when like they're still in union having exams and things like that. And like premiership academies will actually ease back during those periods because they know that stress is going to spike. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one with players, like, if you ever want to be really good as an athlete, don't have kids because, you know, newborn kids, because it affects the sleep, affects your recovery, um, probably pretty stressed as well, arguing with the missus. So, you know, it all adds up. And, and it goes back to what we were saying before about that adaptive energy. That, that stress is another thing, you know, that's another training modality that they're trying to, trying to recover from essentially uh, the body treats stress you know the same you know as a, as a physical sort of threat um mm. and i did have another point on that as you were saying about um training but it's gone that's really for sure it's a good point oh yeah i think it's about that um that uh, was it a journalist doing uh -huh. um that um it kind of what we touched on before that they're then suddenly doing a training program for a professional rugby player when they haven't done the, the steps before like you said the aerobic base 100 percent, yeah quality in the body comp no wonder no wonder, no wonder they got a yeah. was, honestly it was it was hilarious um <laughs> but yeah i think that would be the other difference right so uh, actually this is your question like the biggest difference between amateurs and professionals now that you've had enough experience working with both outside of the overall general underlying stress that like amateur players are going to experience outside of rugby. Is there anything else that like, if you were an amateur player and you're looking at what the pros are doing, you're like, no, 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 don't do this because of whatever reason. Yeah. Well, I guess it comes down and you've, you pretty much answered it in your, you know, the previous bit, because you're saying when you look at amateur players and professional players, the difference is the recovery. Um, 
so you could you could do the same amount of training as them because I, th- I think sometimes if, if you don't see what they're doing you think they're training you know from nine to five constantly mm-hmm. on the pitch which like we know they're not physically they couldn't recover from that but like I say they've got the time just you know on the console going for coffee meet with other rugby players and talk about rugby that's that's when they're recovering from it whereas the amateurs have to go to work you know even if it's not a physical job you know it's still stress on them they don't have that time to recover so it's usually you've got to dial back the intensity slightly and and dial back the volume uh, like you'd be surprised people can but and i'm sure you've seen it people can build up to some pretty impressive stuff as, as amateurs but initially you've got to start a little bit further back like i said with that journalist you you've got to start you know on the the ones and twos and build up to those um eights and nines and tens that makes sense yeah for sure the other thing I was, I think, probably could happen, and this is because I've not been exposed to too, too many different um, environments, like where I'm, I'm experiencing like a full training week, um, outside of the ones I've ex- experienced as a player. Like, I think the uh, the other thing that you'll find is, I think amateurs have so much more time to still develop that base. Whereas a lot of professionals, because either because they put in the work or because they just have that much talent, yeah, they don't have to work on the, their 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 base abilities, and so they will spend a lot more time. Like particularly when you look at like the the stuff like the what's the, the the most popular training stuff that gets put out is like when it's the Lions or when it's England rugby. Like you're talking like the top 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 percentage of not just athletes as as far as ge- genetics, but also where they are at in their careers as well. Like they've already, they're at the top of the mountain. So they're, or the pyramid, I guess they're at the top, they've reached the top. Right. And so they, they are working those tiny areas. And also like, as far as a social media post or a, a, an interesting video, like that's the stuff that's going to have people watching it and think is really cool. Like you're not going to share someone's, um, you know, 45 minutes of zone two on, on a, on a Watt bike, like, no yeah. one's gonna that's not gonna make any cut of any video that's remotely interested yeah but that's probably i would assume i don't, I don't know with it too much but that's probably what's going on as well yeah no definitely um I, it's like you said earlier it's so hard to go even if you go and visit and talk to the you know the staff there you go and visit one of those um teams and i've been fortunate enough to go and visit the you know england during the six nations and things watch their training mm-hmm. camps and it's um it's so hard to judge just on that one thing because like you said it's you know it depends on their periodization you know how long they've had this group of athletes together you know over the years and you know what what week into the into the campaign they are and things like that what games they've got coming up mm-hmm. um, and you know the injury profile of players there's so many and and like i've seen some of those videos on youtube where they like snc coaches gone in and criticized these you know um top teams because but but you don't know what why they're doing that without knowing the kind of justification and like it goes back to you know the, the way i deal with questions about certain things well why what what is the approach and um you know there's you know tons of thousands of ways to skin a cat but it's got to have the right the right reasoning so it's yeah. so difficult to judge them based on on that and um, at the end of the day they're being judged solely pretty much on whether they win or lose on on, on the weekend yeah and so like could they try and get that little extra mental edge or whatever it is that they're using Yeah. versus trying to put a 0.001 extra percent on their physical abilities? Like, yeah, it is, it is really difficult just to, yeah. to judge why and 
whether you know and the success on it yeah for sure uh, what, what about um, like nutrition wise? I'll, I'll tell you one of my ones I see a lot, which really frustrates me is, is um, sort of getting towards the end of the season, getting, getting into or sort of in the Northern hemisphere, getting to the end of the season and uh, it's getting to the summer and boys start like cutting out carbs um, from their diet because they're all oh, I'm trying to, trying to get lean. And you're like, well, yeah, but you've got important games coming up and, you know, hopefully cup finals and things like that when surely you want to be fueling that and that but it's totally the other mindset is that anything you've seen or, or what are your other nutritional ones yeah seen? like I, I wouldn't have thought this a, a while back like a, a good few years back when, when i first started doing this but under eating is like a huge problem with that with amateur athletes as well like you know they they'll, they'll we live in a world where like eating like shit is so, so, so easy. Yeah. Like as soon as you decide that you're going to, your mentality has to change. And really that's for the better anyway, for you as a, as a person, like we shouldn't, like, even if you, you have no interest in increasing your rugby performance, like, or, or physical performance, like the Western diet is just terrible. Yeah. Like it's, but where it succeeds is it's super convenient and it's super easy to, to just get in well, actually super tasty that would be the other benefit of it right <laughs> but the problem is is like most people then think okay i'm going to be an athlete i'm going to eat you know natural foods or whatever it is and all of a sudden we're, we're they're eating you know as a as a 100 kilo guy or an 80 kilo guy even like 1800 calories at most you know and and i think you're never going to develop any, or, or you, you can develop performance with such little calories, but it's, it's like riding your bike with flat tires. Like it's so much more difficult. Um, and then what happens is because they're so used to under eating, like actually eating enough becomes a chore um, because they're just, you know, eating is just a habit thing that people do. We, we, no one, you know, they don't really think about having to get into having to eat that it's just a thing that, that they wait till the body tells them they're hungry and then they just chuck something down but it's just like if you want to perform your best you want to give yourself all the best fuel and all the best opportunity to uh, adapt to the training stimulus and perform as your best when it comes to every single training session and i think yeah you're right like under eating is huge um you know, maybe under eating on protein um under eating on protein, protein goes both ways. Like if, if you're dealing with um, people that have, bit, have read enough men's fitness, they'll they'll just they know the importance of protein so much, but they don't think about anything else. Yeah, yeah. Because um, when you said sort of under eating protein, I, I was going to say my experience with rugby players is they're usually quite clued on to protein because like yeah. they've been overdone, but then everything else kind of goes out the window. Hundred um, percent. And then, yeah, the, but yeah, a lot of people that don't think about it will naturally tend to under eat. So it can go, it can like, it can it can go both ways. But if they're, if they're okay with their protein, they usually, yeah, like, like you say, missing out on everything else. Um, and I think, I think my bugbear on it is that it is really easy once you get down to a routine. But like, if you if you're just completely unaware of your routine. Like, or, or you let it slip and you just fall back into old habits. There's a good chance, like, there's a reason that, like, nutrition and the fitness industry is just growing and growing and growing exponentially. It's because people are just most, like, for the most part, eating junk 
and uh, not moving enough. And so if you can just do those things, like that's going to make you a better human, which like if we're looking at that would be that would be like the foundation of the base of the pyramid, right? Like just being a better, better performing human is going to help you on the rugby pitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, could, an argument would be health should be the the very bottom of that pyramid, shouldn't it? Which obviously yeah. nutrition is so important for. Um, but it's even got to the point where, you know, if, if someone eats like a healthy meal, someone goes, oh, what, what diet are you on? It's like, well, just, just eating healthy. You know, it's not a yeah. diet. It's, just normal it's unfortunate, like, this is where I was going with the, the Western diet being terrible. Like, yeah. Instantly, like, uh, you have to, in, in the supermarket, in most restaurants, you're, you're immediately eliminating 70% of what's available to you. Yeah. Right, instantly. Like you're not even comprehending. Like, and I'm lucky that you know I discovered this at, at 17 or whatever. Like, that stuff is just that's you can have it as a rare treat, but you know that's a treat. Yeah. Right. It still blows my mind, and and maybe someone there are McDonald's listeners to it. So I'm not trying to be elitist, but it blows my mind that people would go and get a Big Mac for lunch on a Tuesday. But that yeah. happens because the 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 drive-through at McDonald's on a Tuesday is like. Yeah. yeah there's, there's there are lines outside on a, on a tuesday afternoon yeah but who like, it doesn't make sense to me um and so once you wrap your head around that that you know you, you you're you're constricted to which isn't really constricting yourself but you're instantly taking off 70 percent of stuff as menu as standard you can have that stuff as a treat and that's absolutely fine but you acknowledge that as a treat like, that makes a huge difference um I'm actually a vegetarian. So when I when I switched to becoming a vegetarian, it was actually kind of easy because I I uh, just to make that change because I, I was already you know I already had a good diet um, and I just replaced most of my chicken with like other stuff and that was kind of it. Um, I think it's hard when you try and feel some level of social pressure or just try to you, you get food industry stuff just constantly ran down your throat of what you're supposed to do once you once you understand that i think eating like an athlete can be and should be really easy yeah yeah definitely. Um, no it's interesting well, to say that it's kind of it's 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 more getting away from that kind of that pull from you know the media or whatever or, you know just that kind of consumer society that we've got rather yeah. than the nutritional side of it it's crazy yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say as well, though, is you've said about how um, your professional athletes have a lot more recovery and people will say, and, and you, you, this is more for the younger people, I think, but it, it, older, older athletes can fall guilty of this too, is like the younger people think, well, that's because they've also got access to all these supplements. Uh, like, and they, yes, they do. But how much of a difference do you think that really makes on their recovery? Oh, so you're asking? Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, you know, that's if we're talking pyramids, that's you know the very, very top, isn't it? It's, it, it's they're they're called supplements for a reason. They're supplement to your actual nutrition. So mm. if you're not eating whole foods in, in terms of the nutrition thing, but just in terms of everything, you know, holistically looking at it, it's such a tiny percentage of of the adaptations they'll get. Um, uh, yeah supplements help but they're not gonna they're not gonna you know if you've got a terrible program a supplement is gonna make it a good 
and a good response. And you'd be surprised how how little you actually need in terms of something. You know, there's only a few that have been shown to be effective. And yeah, and, and they're the boring ones, ones that aren't really promoted as well. Say again. I said, and they're the boring ones that aren't really promoted and expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like sure. there's that about branch chain amino acids, which are just in all protein. Like, uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, I think supplements and just in general, like recovery, that would be, I would say that's another misstep that people take is that rather than, and it goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time really is rather than doing too much, they look to like they do too much and then they look to add potentially more by saying okay i'm gonna do recovery yeah i yeah, still so don't know what doing recovery looks like yeah obviously when i say um they have more recovery i don't mean they're going to a pool and do you know doing this yeah it? i mean they're not training yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's whereas you know amateurs are like, well i'm not training. no you're at work which is stress which is digging into your recovery your your energy reserves essentially so 100 yeah, good good yeah. point to bring up um uh so another another question we always ask on the podcast and it'll be interesting coming from you because you know slightly different sort of uh, background as an sc coach what, what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach um the best advice and the one that always keeps coming back to me or, or the one that i keep keep on relearning is like just be a good person um it sounds so cliche and I'm almost a little bit, I, I'm almost annoyed at myself for saying it, but I'm not because it needs to be said. Yeah. Like, even if you look at the highest echelons of professional rugby, people are hired because they're good people and people enjoy their company. Um, like, yes, knowledge is a part of it, but like, um, uh, what's his name? Paul Stridgen. Yeah. Dude, like he, Great character. Dude, yeah. like people love him. And, you know, he could, he could be spouting out stuff that's like 30 years old and been completely outdated and doesn't work. I'm not saying he does do that. Like, I'm sure he knows his stuff. <laughs> but he gets, he goes on uh, all the Lions tours. He gets like the top invites because he's just a good dude and everyone loves him. Like, in, like, in general, I, I, know, in, I know too many coaches that like are good people. Or actually, no, I know too many people that know a lot but they don't like, they're not worried about personal skills. They're just worried about their knowledge. And like, I think at the end of the day, if you're coaching people, you're coaching people. So that there's a big, like, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you've got. If you can't filter that down to someone being on your team, like not literally being on your team, but being on your side and acknowledging what you're, you've got to say and trusting in you to do what that, you know, that, that you think is best, then it doesn't really matter. And that's probably why we have like so many, so much as far as like BS in the industry, because people still want to hear nonsense. And if, if you've got enough people that not necessarily, I wouldn't even say they're good people, but they're charismatic enough to, to put it across. Like people will lap that up because this is, we live in a world in a capitalistic society. So if people want to buy nonsense because it makes themselves feel better, there are charismatic enough people to to sell the nonsense, you know. Yeah, no, definitely, it's a great point. And um, on a kind of sad note, but someone like you know, like you mentioned, Paul Stridgen, um, Steve Black, who unfortunately oh, he passed yeah. away this week, um, and 
just looking through the comments on on um, the posts on LinkedIn, and it was like this guy has touched a lot of people, you know, and and that's that's what you want to have. You want to have that effect on people. So it, it kind of got me thinking, crikey, what what would people say about me? You know, you know, after I'm yeah. gone, it, you know, it's but m- maybe that's a good way to start your career. Is think about think about that because then you'll kind of act in a way that's gonna, you know, leave, leave people have a good regard of you. You know, yeah, um, I and, think. You know, the, the other thing, and this is probably what I would would be like after saying being a good person is part of that is understanding it's not, if you're a coach, like it's not about you. It's never about, like it's not about you at all. And we're seeing this change, particularly like if you, if you follow anything of the uh, um, NCAA football, like the American football is, is yeah. like the college strength coach is becoming a bit of a meme. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's not good because like coach, like, and, and then just in general, like the coach's job is to faci- facilitate, like their existence is to facilitate the success of someone else. Yeah. So it's good that people would, but like, even, even like Blackie, like, like people aren't commenting saying, oh, that was great that you were responsible for the success of uh, whoever, you know, whatever players or whatever. No, they're saying what a good person that you were. And yeah. Like they say the same thing, and this is something that stuck with me about Sir Alex Ferguson, was like he knew the name of everyone that worked at Old Trafford. Like he knew everyone at the staff at Man, uh, Man United. And like you think this is probably getting the guy that's going to go down with one of the best coaches to have ever existed. Yeah. And he still took the time to be a really good person to everyone he could be. And that's something that I still, when I coach, when I do my rugby coaching, I still want to try and improve on that because I do think that that's that's huge and that's something that like particularly in this instagram age can be easily lost if you if you're a famous quote-unquote coach like it's it's not like you're you're if you're if you're a really good coach you're making everyone else look really good yeah. and then by association you can look good but yeah. it's not about you and yeah. if you understand that then you'll have you'll have good success yeah and I think some like some of the names that we've thrown, like Paul Stridge and Steve Black, Alex Ferguson, they're they're people that players would play for. You know, they turn up mm-hmm. and them. And if you can, you know, if you can have that, that's that's half the well, more than half the battle. You know, yeah, just to have that where it's part of creating the environment. Um, I, I always talk about the environment being so important from an SNC perspective. Um, and if you've got that, where people want, you know, want to play. And not not that that means you're special, but just you create that environment that they want to they want to turn up and play. Um, mm-hmm. And those those three are definitely ones that kind of makes you think they they had that. You know? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, so let, tell us a bit more about uh, about rugby muscle and um, and then sort of where people you know, sort of find out more about you and get hold. Um, of you. They can follow the Instagram is is being pushed a little bit. Um, at Rugby Muscle. YouTube's probably where you're going to get the best information from, from me. So just again, Rugby Muscle uh, on YouTube and will come up. Um, tons of playlists, tons of videos there. Um, again, not like the most popular because uh, because I, because I we can't give black and white information because uh, we, we have to, I, tr- I try and help people be, understand how to build out a program. Uh, I really try and put value into the YouTube videos. Um, and then some of the videos also make the podcast, so that's just rubbing muscle as well. Yeah, cool. And, and just tell us a bit more about your, your program and what you, what you do. 
So uh, we have, depending on when this goes out, we, we might have a new program coming out, but otherwise it's just, like, and for the longest time, this is all I've done was, was just one-on-one um, -on -one coaching because it's just such a good, it's just the best way to solve your problem as a player. Yeah. Um, even as an amateur, like to have someone in your corner so you outsource all your thinking, but have everything done for you. Like I believe in it so much. I have a coach, you know. Um, I think it's just the, the best service. And then everything else would have taken away from it, but it got to the point where I did want to develop a lower, a little lower price price point for those that really did kind of want coaching, right. but literally just couldn't afford it not couldn't afford it because they're spending money on three different cars or something, but actually couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we created team rugby muscle, um, which is just uh, a program that is, it was apps, but the more I use different apps, the more they frustrate me. So now it's just a membership site with um, a download, like each month they'll get a new program downloadable to just to a Google sheets account. Um, but that way it's the same sort of thing, but even though we spent this whole time saying that just generally being a better rugby player is hard to like define as a goal, we try and tackle that as best we can. And because it's a membership site, we can also give you feedback as far as, um, like different circumstances, different goals and stuff, how to adapt the program. Cause it's done in Google sheets. It's kind of uneasy. Yeah. No, it sounds cool. Yeah. I, like similar approach to us. We, part of the part of the good thing is that they can communicate with us easily and it's troubleshooting those little things like giving them the programs one thing but like you said there's always those little things that come up where there's a little injury um you know the change of of you know trying to change the chain in week and we can give them advice on that so it's, it's cool and like i said it's coaching is so important um whether it's just to you know save you a bit of mental ram for your own for your own work or just setting you on the right direction for what's going to work for you yeah i think it's something that people miss in rugby as well and obviously like especially like amateur rugby because you've got one maybe two coaches that you're dealing with that are like that yes they're your coach but they're your team's coach yeah so their job is just to have the team win and if that means not playing you at all or that means you know not even developing you at all like that's they're still doing their job and that's like mm -hmm. no hard feelings against them but that's not benefiting you as a rugby player so mm -hmm. um that's why i think the coaching works quite well is because i've got that experience as well so you know i've helped guys um like navigate trying to change a club um navigate getting back into rugby etc etc there's so many different circumstances and that's why i do think that is so you do you guys what do you guys do as far as uh, rugby renegades concern jamie because so, um, obviously we're posting this on mine as well so it's funny yeah it's kind of polarized to yours we initially started out with a, a membership program so that's kind of our sort of flagship uh, product um and just over the years we've we've started doing a bit more so some sort of more specific programs based on you know those in, individual goals whether it's sort of um body composition or maximum strength that type of thing and we're planning to add more as, as we go through and then just more more um sort of one-to-one -one coaching that's kind of progressed more kind of because of the way our careers have changed yeah. i've got a bit more time now that in the bedford semi-pro so i can put more time into doing one-to-one -one coaching i didn't want to do it when it you know i couldn't devote the time to the yeah to, so it's that's that's 
that's better now and I can I can devote more time so it's cool that must feel quite nice as well like dealing with people one-on-one and just the simplicity compared to having to get a whole squad of dudes yeah. 30 lads and try yeah keep them all firing in the same direction yeah no, sure. cool mate um TJ it's been great great talking to you some some great insights and it yeah it's been you know probably could have gone for another couple likewise. of likewise yeah we'll do it again mate yeah definitely and uh we'll, we'll get rob on onto your podcast as well you can you can talk to all about Wicked. Um, physio and injury prevention and everything uh, awesome we could talk to cool mate uh, mate thanks and all the best for the future no thank you Yes, thank you, TJ. It was great uh, talking to you. Uh, thanks for sharing your time and insights. Uh, really like your philosophy, and I'm sure um, listeners, whether players or coaches, will get heaps out of that. So, yeah, thanks again, and all the best in the future. Uh, in the meantime, guys, we've, we've had a bit of a hiatus from the podcast. been a lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes, but we're back to it now. So please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, or whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Um, there will be more on the way, don't you worry. Uh, and of course, keep checking us out at rugbyrenegade.com and the social media channels. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.